Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Charlotte. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Dingway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Dingway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I don't know if past me did a good job in making present me feel much better on a day. What is this? Day two of the category four rainstorm <laughs> LA has gotten. Past me took doors off of his home. Yeah. Used a circular saw to like cut an angle and some material from the bottom of the doors <laughs> so that the swelling that would occur during a rainstorm like this wouldn't seal them shut. Yeah, yeah. You do want the doors to operate. And I'm looking at the doors of my house. Stuff is swole, man. Mm. Stuff is really swole. Your doors have been working out. <laughs> doors aren't like clothes, though. You know, like once yeah. you shrink clothes, they're never coming back. But it feels like doors are coming back. They come back. Yeah, the back door of my house has basically been a problem ever since we moved in. And I think every summer I take like a rasp to it and mm -hmm. grind off more and more material. Like there's not going to be a door eventually if I keep up with this. Because, yeah, it swells up every winter and then like it's like really annoying to use. What are you supposed to do? I don't know. It's, it seems like there are materials that aren't affected by water, and yet they make doors out of materials that are. I think you just said it, Ben. What are we doing having wooden doors? They should be made of steel. That's... <laughs> they should be made like, like bank vault doors. Every one of them. They should be... Made of the same stuff as those robots that are always trying to steal my medication. I don't even know why the scientists make them. I don't know. I mean, this is this is how it is. Like, before we got on the mic, it's just you and me talking about water mitigation. Yeah. So much of the money that we have borrowed against the value of our property has just been put back into water mitigation. And we live in an arid place. It's yeah. so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. It's cold. It's dark. Yeah. It's wet. It's void-like, Ben. I would love to be able to say I live in a, sh a pretty shitty house, but at least it's dry. But I can't even really say that. Yeah. And uh, that's really how the Voyager crew feels. <laughs> that's yeah. Point. Powder's wet all over the place <laughs> on either side of this video call and on the show we're here to talk about ben mm. let's get into it season seven episode 15 the void reverse course unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes i'm not turning around <laughs> if you were to plan any kind of fancy meal on voyager i gotta believe tasting menu cooked by seven served by neelix not at the top of your list no, that's not exactly the 11 Madison Park of dinner menus. It's a crazy callback to Seven because she's not just eating stuff and blowing her breath into the doctor's face anymore. <laughs> this is a great leap for her. and But I don't think there's been any scenes of her culinary curiosity between then and, and now, right? 
This is, yeah, it's a deep cut. Like, you have to remember mm -hmm. that that was a thing at one point. Preparing meals myself is the best way to ensure quality. It's a double date. It's the captain and Chicote on a date with Tom and Bolana. It's kind of a fun thing, right? Like, a little bit more of an established couple in Tom and Bolana going out with a couple that's kind of like, are we a thing? Like, is this going to happen? I had the opposite take on this. This has got to really burn Chicote's pencils to be the devil <laughs> in this situation. The hopelessness yeah. of, of the potential here? Come on. You you don't think he thinks he's got a shot? I don't. Wow. I don't. I'd probably go for more of that cider out of the cargo bay if I were him. Drinking real cider, <laughs> breaking real pencils under the dinner table. <laughs> Uh, Seven is a very touchy chef. This is one of those, there's no substitutions kind of restaurants. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's no salt and pepper shaker on the table. Tom asks for a little bit of extra seasoning, and she is fucking touchy about the seasoning, man. I'm sorry. I... If the quail hasn't been prepared to your satisfaction, I could replicate something more to your liking. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich, perhaps. I like this. I can be a little touchy. About that, taste the food first. Yeah. See if you like it. Why are you hitting it before even tasting it? Yeah. What if I oversalted? <laughs> That's like a sex rap lyric. Mm. Hitting it before tasting it. Can't do that. Not in my mind. I mean, why not? I'd say go for it. I'd say do it in whatever order makes you happy. Did you clock the random guy in the background who I thought at first was security dude? But the more I thought about him, and that he was wearing red. Yeah. That's command hospitality, isn't it? Is that Ensign Hazmat? I mean, the red, I think, says a lot. Yeah. You only ever see him in this scene and also later, also in the mess hall. Yeah. <laughs> He's the guy that shows you your room when you come aboard. He's the guy that stands at attention while you eat your coursed out dinner. And he's the guy that cleans up when uh, Echeb's brother uh, is taking lunch break, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This poor guy. Hey, man, you missed a spot! This poor guy doesn't do much this episode besides fall on the ground. I like that. <laughs> yeah. The banger hits. Over he goes. Yeah. They're getting uh, some seasoning of their own. A sprinkling of gravitons, anyone? Yeah. Uh, more, please. Voyager is being pulled into a space butthole of enormous size. One of the biggest we've ever seen on this show. It's it's a great big hero. They get sucked in really quickly. Like, the people that were enjoying this dinner are up on the bridge, realizing that they're getting sucked. And Neelix and the anonymous ensign stand up and look out the window in the mess hall and see a ship coming in to attack and no stars in the background. I like this shot. I like this scene. There's something about a, a starless space that's uh, especially horrifying to see. Yeah. It gives me real Nagilam vibes, you know? Yeah, totally. I must have been taking a note when I watched this episode because when I'm looking at my notes right now and I'm like, Tom and Neelix look out a starless window. I wonder if this extra, this anonymous guy in the red shirt is Tom Paris's stand-in. Hmm. Like the back of the head is the same haircut. Hmm. I, I mean, a lot of guys had this back of the head haircut in yeah. 2001. I mean, the back of my head basically looks like this. Sure. Just my hair's a little bit darker. Yeah. I would thought a lot about their transit to the bridge 
bellies full, mm. kind of a, a heightened, anxious moment. Y- you got to figure someone's feeling nauseous here, right? Yeah, they've been taking the wine pairings all through, right? Uh-huh. Like, I'll have another glass of the Chardonnay. Each course has been paired with a specific wine. Substitutions are not recommended. The Pinot Noir sounds perfect. I doubt that that was their first course getting yeah. dropped on the table at the beginning of this episode. They're, they're probably pretty pretty overwhelmed the way you can be when you're on like course five of an 11-course meal. This ship that's shooting them is kind of packing a wallop. And Voyager's shooting back. And then another ship shoots the attacking ship. And that guy fucks off. But yeah. this other ship starts attacking Voyager. Oh, man. And uh, this is just all so confusing. And nobody's answering hails. And then we start cutting around the ship. And stuff is getting beamed away, like barrels. And their grow up in the belly of the ship. And some guy's laptop. Just two seconds with Ichib's brother, like, as the mop gets beamed away. And it's just, <laughs> hey! And that's it. <laughs> solid bit Um, it kind of reminded me of that episode where Paris says I feel like we just got mugged Mm -hmm. yeah it's another mugging it's another mugging and Chakotay starts rattling off what got jacked it is 90% of their food a huge amount of their deuterium and a computer and they're like deuterium (laughs) why would you steal that You consume a lot more science fiction than I do. I don't think that's a controversial take. What I want to ask you is, throughout your entire life of science fiction consumption, is food always food to everyone? Like, And the reason I ask this is, like, these aliens steal Voyager's food, but that's because it's also food to them. Like, how common is it that Food is always food, and food isn't something else to an alien. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. Like in um, the Expanse novels, when they start going to planets in other solar systems, spoiler alert, like there are ecosystems on those planets, but they're like completely different. You know, they evolved in such a different way that like if you like, you know, touch a worm, it might make you blind or something, you know? Sure. Yeah, I'd never do that. Yeah, they got to bring their own food on those kind of planets. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the uh, the aliens in Star Trek are fucking lucky to share a galaxy with the Federation. I mean, it just seems like terribly bad luck for Voyager that uh, everyone wants to eat what they've got mm-hmm. and take mm-hmm. their deuterium and grab a bunch of their gear. Yeah. That sucks. And this place is full of potential danger because Tuvok scans and he's like, there's 150 ships out there. 29 of them have life signs. So they're dropping like flies and it's a pretty alarming situation they found themselves in. They're like, man, like nobody even wants to talk to us until this one dude pulls up. This is General Valen. And uh, he's sort of the welcoming committee. He's the first person to give them any context for what's happened to them. It is low-key a really, really big move of him to beam over, I thought. Yeah. That's a big balls move by General Valen, because he doesn't have to do this. He doesn't have to greet. He doesn't have to come over and sort of give them the PowerPoint presentation of what this hole is, but he does it. 
it kind of introduces him as someone who may have some flexibility in his thinking. Right. But that is not true at all. <laughs> no. So he explains that they're all trapped in this donut-shaped anomaly that they refer to as the void. And he's been stuck here for five years. And he's like, you know, you're new, so it's only natural that you're going to be thinking about escaping. Don't bother. It's not really possible. Uh, but, you know, I, I like you guys. You seem nice. You, you got a very interesting ship here. And I noticed you have torpedoes. So you give me some of those and I'll kind of put you on to which bad guys have your gear and which bad guys have good gear. And you can go swipe stuff from them that will enable you to survive uh, as you await the clutches of death in this void that you can't escape from. I don't think anything is wrong with Valen per se, but I really could have used some more like haunted house vibes from him. Even like Star Trek six prison warden style, like there are no stars, <laughs> no planetary bodies, no allied ships, <laughs> only an infinite donut to nothingness. Like, yeah. I wonder if he was directed out of that kind of vibe because like so many other aspects to this scene provide that like the the darkness out the window and the darkness on the ship when they decide yeah. to conserve power could have been fun. I wish he'd looked a little bit more Riker in a Borg's future. Yeah. Like desperate and But the winners don't look like Riker in the Borg's future, do they? No, the winners go home and fuck the prom queen, you know? That he looks kind of unbothered, I think, suggests that he's uh, doing all right for himself. Yeah. Janeway has a pretty hard line on the we don't give weapons to people under any circumstances thing. And he's like, none of your rules should apply. Like, you're never getting out. So the, like, things that you were worried about, like, reprieves from command for mm -hmm. in your old life just abandon all that kind of thinking it's stupid we're stuck in here i do really like the take at the end of this scene when when janeway finally says this and i don't think that this is seen by her but he kind of turns toward camera and he's got the slightest smile about how naive she's being here did you catch that i didn't but i like that i like that as a an acting choice i feel like he knows what's up here yeah so he's like, all right, well, you can keep thinking it over. Uh, you know where to find me, in the void. <laughs> That's where I'll be. It would be surprising for both of us if you found me outside the void, which again, I've told you, is impossible to escape. <laughs> Our course is locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully, because I'm only going to say this once. Janeway and Chakotay go down to the warp core and get an update from BLT that the same graviton stuff that pulled them in is still acting on them here inside this donut. So uh, they are burning through the remaining deuterium that they have. And remember, a lot of it got stolen. They're using power at 10x speed of what they normally do. I mean, they projected out to 10 days of power left. This has got to give Chakotay some thoughts, like a last day of school is in 10 days kind of thoughts. And if I'm going to mm -hmm. make a move, right, I, I better do it before summer vacation. There's a shot of him, arms akimbo in a storage bay, 
he flicks a light and there's like a big slab of granite there. <laughs> and then he just pulls out some, some carving tools, <laughs> rolls up his sleeves. It's time for the finest bathtub that's ever been fashioned. <laughs> Sounds great. But before he can do that, they go to the ass lab where Seven is like, all right, I've been studying this thing and we used some algorithms and we figured out like we can predict when the holes happen that suck stuff into the void. And so we can just go get out. It's a little bit tricky. It's like timing. It is an amount of power that will kind of use up a lot of what they've got left. The visual is kind of striking, isn't it? Like the the space donut that we've seen in an earlier scene is now covered with like the suck disc style trumpet bells. Mm-hmm, Tuba mm-hmm. bells are sticking out of it. <laughs> and like, it's not just that you go up the other side of one of these and zoom out the back. There's like a prolapsing action <laughs> to this hole. And you need mm-hmm. to like floor it on the warp drive as soon as you you get to the end otherwise you're going to be trapped do they even have the power to do this is is the question at the end and because they don't know the plan is to try this as soon as possible and as soon as possible is the next scene look if you only had one shot or opportunity to get outside of the void would you take it would you capture it Or just let it slip. Yo, the ship's not ready. Shield's weak. Gravitons are heavy. A mess on the mess hall floor already. Seven spaghetti. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, so they got to go. They got to give this a try. I mean, (laughs) I love the idea that this just works. (laughs) Episode proceeds and it's like, wow, that was close. (laughs) Yeah. uh, They hit warp, they fly out, and then they roll the credits. (laughs) Yeah. Not seeing that coming. I would love a, you know, Simpsons Halloween episode style episode of Star Trek where it's like, yeah, we like that one was fine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then we got out of it and then and then we moved on, <laughs> you know, little treehouse of horror. There's usually three vignettes in those, right? Give us two or three short things that happen in an episode that aren't connected to each other. It would be such a fake out, especially so close to the episode where uh, Chakotay tells Janeway of the pilot episode, you know, all of the crazy and awful adventures she would get into. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like right on the heels of that, just an easy one, just a wiffle ball of Mm -hmm. of a mission here. (laughs) Pretty great. So they hit the gas when they go up this funnel and they get so close, man. They can see the stars of the galaxy outside the funnel and then it closes and it goes to white and you just see the the ship poop back down into the void. I would have loved like a a swarm of new ships trying to attack them, like another new guy. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I love the idea of a stall in space and that's what you watch here. Like, oh, it's so close. Yeah. So close to getting out. And then it just sort of like spins and falls again. It's neat to see. And this used up a ton more energy than they really had to spare. This is going to make it a lot harder. You know, the the ship is basically fucked for like a week. The warp core's offline. It's not, not looking good for old Starship Voyager. In the conference room, they need to discuss the next steps here. Issue one. Sure, they can survive a little while. 
with like the barest of power consumption rates, but what they need is more deuterium. And Janeway has the idea to find the ship that stole from them originally, and so they do. Except that ship's been destroyed, and all their stuff is gone also. But this ship does have one thing of value aboard that hasn't been looted, and that is the casing around its warp core. So they beam that over the cargo bay. I love Dark Voyager. I think we've said this before. When when ships go dark, they're so much more interesting to be inside. And when Seven and BLT are are walking through the corridor to the cargo bay using just their wrist rocket flashlights. Like, I love this stuff. So good. And and it's such a good looking prop. Like it's mm-hmm. the it's the casing around a warp core from a ship that was probably kind of shitty on the inside, mm-hmm. but it's also been like cut open with energy beams, so it's all like melty and yeah. and shitty looking. Yeah, this is composed of some material that they'll be able to use to make a power source to buy themselves some time at the very least. And, you know, like they're debating what the priority is going to be. Seven's like, cool, well, we can use this to fire the ass lab back up. And PLT's like, how about life support? So they're scanning this thing uh, when they see movement inside. This is another opportunity the episode has to choose horror and chooses against that because there's a music sting for this moment. And it's one of those like shrieks of a string section, yeah. you know, like in an aliens film that you don't get here. And I think that's really instructive for how you're supposed to treat this stowaway going forward. You're, you're supposed to treat them with uh, empathy and not fear. Yeah. The choice to make his blood orange and not red also yeah. takes away from the idea that this is a scary character. Yeah. Uh, like even an injured person, like I feel like if if you saw red and you heard that those shrieking violins, you'd be like, ah, what's going on? <laughs> and instead you're like, oh man, this poor guy, he's probably had a really rough day. It's interesting how many of those elements it takes to supersede dark location though right yeah because i think if you don't do one of those the combination of dark and red blood or dark and music sting i think equals fright but that's not what this is yeah we go to six bay where they've taken this character and doctor oh hi mark is talking about yeah i mean i've been trying to help him with that wound on his leg. I mean, it doesn't seem like that bad, but I can't get close enough to help him because he doesn't trust me and uh, he can't talk to like I. He doesn't seem to have any language. He's just hungry and he breathes a lot. Two things we know about him. Did you get uh, Mr. Peepers vibes from this type of alien? Uh, He comes to us (laughs) from the Amazon rainforest and is a descendant of the Eosimius primate. We should say up top, too, this is uh, Jonathan Del Arco playing this character. Oh, is it? And oh, fun. I was shocked by this performance because it he was not recognizable to me at first. Like, I I learned this in the credits, that this yeah, was him. I, I thought we, such was his physical acting that Jonathan Del Arco disappeared into this to me. I think we talked about that. Uh, last week that Jonathan mm-hmm. Del Arco was going to be in this one, but uh, I had totally forgotten. I just expected him to be like a loafy 
alien in the void somewhere, not the stowaway. Yeah. He's skittish like a street dog or something, right? Like, yeah. Like he's been traumatized big time. He just wants to stay in the corner and eat some food. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they throw him an apple and he starts eating it and the, it, just fragments <laughs> of it fly everywhere. You have like a cage or a leash or something? No, no, no. He's fine. He's fine. It's a big hit with the crowd. Huge pop when he yeah. does that. That's what they're there to see. And you're like, you know, I understand why they never made this one into a feature film, uh-huh. you know, because like, what, where could you even go with it? But also like, you know, I have a soft spot in my, in my heart for, for this type of character. Janeway's curious about how this person survived the void. And the answer is he's got great big lungs. Yeah. No one thinks about maybe studying those lungs as a gift for Neelix. <laughs> <laughs> Neelix, who still lives with one. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, especially interesting given, you know, some of the developments later in the episode where they're starting yeah. to be like, yeah, like we're, we're learning a ton from these people. And they offer to to help Voyager too. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Janeway gets called up to the conference room where Tuvok and Kim have a fix on Valen's ship and uh, they're pretty sure that he's the one that took all of their stuff from uh, the ship that they just pulled up on and uh, we smash cut to a FaceTime where Janeway is talking to him and he is expecting this to be them coming and being like okay here's some torpedoes can we please have our stuff back I think this could be adjudicated for a lot of scenes that involve Janeway and the people of the Void. Do you think she should have been a little more pissed off here? Her vibe being, you should really give it back, please, (laughs) kind of sucks. I mean, it's it's usually give it back or else. Like, at least they give her the dignity of the stand-up from her chair and the camera looking up into into her face from below when she makes this proclamation. Yeah, it's true. I mean, she's always going to give a person the opportunity not to die. But I guess it's unclear. I don't know. This is the first of many scenes where she's like, instead of going for the kill, she's like, target their shields. Or whatever. She's never going for the kill inside the void. Yeah. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Later in her office, Chakotay and Tuvok are like, hey, so we've been talking and we thought maybe being a little bit more opportunistic and like sucker punching some of these people and taking their stuff might be called for in this circumstance. And also, like, we've been drinking recycled piss while you appear to be using precious power resources to make coffee for yourself. (laughs) This is a moment for Janeway to be the Starfleet officer that you teach to kids in the academy, right? The -hmm. one who chooses the charter for guidance. But, like... It seems pretty clear that Tuvok and Chakotay want to read the Maquis Charter. Maquis? A little bit. Or maybe like <laughs> do some uh, some shuffling of Maquis pages into the Federation pages a bit. Yeah. Because like this ancient text was written a long time ago by folks who couldn't even conceive of their circumstances, right? 
the technology they use or all the rest of the things they've got to deal with. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. the writers of the Federation Charter probably suffered from malnutrition and syphilis. Like what the fuck could they possibly know about the challenges they face? The luxury that the framers have is they they don't have to live in the void. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And why are originalists like Janeway given the same respect as like actual scholars who get to be like originalists are just intellectually lazy while to argue against originalism actually takes some uh, critical thinking and creativity. It's a shame, but yeah. this episode really feels like a microcosm for the entire series, in a way. Get that right. Janeway is continuously confronted with, do we violate our morals? Do we have a Cisco-like dark night of the soul? Oh, or would love that. Do we hew to our morals in this circumstance? And she's like convinced herself that, again, this is a time to stand on principle and so what she has come up with, this, this idea of putting together a kind of scrappy group of bad news bears, aliens from within the void, uh, doing mutual cooperation and working together with others uh, on a means of escape. There's coffee in that temporary alliance with other ships. This idealism pill is not an easy one for Tuvok and Chakotay to swallow. But this does not turn into one of our classic, you know, Chakotay and Janeway nose to nose alone in the room. And you're like wondering, is this going to be the moment that Chakotay starts considering a mutiny? Yeah, because this pill is like a horse pill. (laughs) (laughs) They seem content to take it. At this point, did you think? Oh, I have a question for you about horse pills. Does horse pill only connote big or does it also connote bad tasting to you? I've never thought of it as bad tasting. I've only thought of it as big. My wife and I had a a whole debate where she was like, yeah, it's like a horse pill. And I was like, oh, it was a small pill. And she was like, yeah, but it tasted so bad. And I was like, oh, I thought that it was just a big pill when you say horse pill. What's interesting about that argument is it, suggests that she knows what horse pills taste like (laughs) or that she knows someone who knows what horse pills taste like in a way that maybe you shouldn't. She has hung out with a lot of uh, ketamine enthusiasts. Everyone knows how big horse pills are. (laughs) Not not many people know how, how they taste. Yeah. I was wondering if she was attempting to launder the Federation Charter through the Alliance in such a way that could, you know, allow them to get the materials they needed through squishy means. You know what I'm saying? Like when this scene breaks, she's like, Alliance out of the way, baby. And in my mind, I was like, oh, cool. Use the Alliance. Like that way you're clean. Right. But that's not not it at all. breaking any rules. That's not part of the pill. We come back from a commercial break and we're getting a captain's log about how forming this alliance has been very tricky. And we cut in media McLaughlin group. Issue two. Where she's pitching, I think, like the fourth command staff of another ship on this idea. And uh, these are a kind of alien that we've met before, I think. I couldn't remember what they were called, but... um, She's like, yeah, so this would be like a share technology and resources. 
uh, work together on escaping the void kind of a plan. And, uh, you know, I know that like having been in here and getting treated like shit by everyone else makes you inherently skeptical of this. So just to kind of sweeten the pot, you can help yourselves to some chow and some medical resources on your way out. This guy, Garon, is played by Scott Lawrence, who is, to me, a total that guy. And I was like, oh, I've seen this guy in a thousand things. But when I looked at his IMDb, I was like, he's not really been in that much. Why is he so familiar to me? I don't know. He's really got a familiar face. Maybe he's just got one of those faces, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to hear Janeway go, we're going to give it away and, and form a strong alliance. But it is quite another thing to sit in this meeting and watch her do it. And you get some background takes from, I feel like, those on her side of the table. And I don't feel like everyone's on board. Like, Neelix definitely is. Neelix tries his ass off here in, in, yeah. a, in kind of a great moment. But, like... But, like, Tuvok and Chakotay are the salesmen that are not convinced that the, like, grain thresher they're trying to sell, the farmer, is actually that good. Yeah. It's real bad grain thresher mindset yeah they slap the hood of it and they're like this thing really threshes and you can tell their heart's just not in it i think part of my problem with this moment is that this guy's on his way out the door and it doesn't seem like the gift is gonna move the needle at all it seems unnecessary yeah i don't know something felt a little off about this seven and uh the captain have a walk and talk and seven is also pretty skeptical at this idea of making an alliance. And uh, like the captain is like, no, this is a great idea. I know that all of four of the ships we've approached with this haven't joined up, but it's starting to work. I can just feel it. Seven's like, where's my favorite phase compensator? And Janeway's like, I gave it to Garen of the Nigeans. And Seven's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Janeway's like, You'll also probably not enjoy hearing that I've turned your cargo bay alcove into a sewing room for <laughs> Garen and the Nigerians. <laughs> His passion is is making <laughs> quilts. <laughs> and he hasn't been able to pursue that in the void. And this is the only way we can sell him on the Alliance. This scene isn't... I mean, the object isn't a lot that she's given away, but it represents just how willing Janeway is to just kind of give away the store here. Yeah. And it's not like Seven is super duper pissed about the phase compensator, but it does represent a way of being. And this is the moment in the episode where I started to turn against Janeway (laughs) and started wondering when mutiny would start to be discussed, right? I I was wondering about how you would react to this episode as I was watching. I was like, I bet I bet Adam turns on Janeway for this one. <laughs> yeah, it, it just doesn't seem right in a whole lot of ways. You think I'm being inefficient. Tuvok thinks I'm being illogical. You both could be right. Over in Six Bay, Doctor Marks chosen the music in a public area that also I I find disagreeable. Hmm. Now, if you want to go to Six Bay, you got to listen to his opera music or something. But it, the upside is that it does have a soothing effect to this patient. A patient yeah. that is now named Phantom, as in 
of the opera. It's a phantom A, not phantom. No, he's not named after colors? Uh, Seven starts to make some headway communicating with this guy after realizing that uh, music has soothed the soul of the savage beast. She starts making tones on the computer and uh, there's like a bowl and a hypo spray and she, she like starts to use a tone to signify one and then a different tone to signify the other, forming the foundation of a tone-based language that Phantom Ace is very excited about. Don't you love how low-key this moment is? Like, they create a language architecture for each other in the span of like 15 seconds. That's, I think, comparable to a Close Encounters movie moment. Yeah. And there is no, like, swell from the orchestra. And, like, this isn't a great moment in Star Trek history. This is so ordinary in a great way. It's just a a passing moment in the episode. And it doesn't, like, anybody that has watched any movies or television shows knows that this is planting something that will pay off ultimately. But... It doesn't feel like, ah, ah, look at this. This is going to be something, right? You know, it's not like uh, there there isn't a neon sign going like, get a load of this interesting turn in the episode. Right, right. So this this is a maybe seed for later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We cut over to Paris and BLT's quarters. Neelix somehow still hireable (laughs) with the condition of the ship. Like, how bored does he have to be if he can't cook? Yeah. I guess he's trying in this moment. He's he's serving up a dinner date feast with that guy from the cold open. He's in there. He never left. No. He gets knocked down, but he gets up again to uh, <laughs> expo this food, I guess. And on the yeah. menu, a bowl of eyeballs, followed by a course of boob cookies. <laughs> And before they're able to get to that third course, Tuvok calls the staff to the bridge. So, like, saved by whatever that is. Yeah. I don't think you want to see the third course. The emergency on the bridge is that a new funnel has opened and it's pulling in a new ship. And uh, this new ship is obviously going to get targeted by some of the more unsavory members of the Void community. Of course, Valen is among them. And... Uh, He and uh, another ship are licking shots at these guys. And uh, Janeway actually is like defending them and then gets on FaceTime with the other ship. And it's those Eggmen from from that episode last season. I love these guys. I surrender. Yeah. Nice to see them again. These are folks from the hierarchy. Yeah. You know, they're just a... A scanning ship, and uh, they're they're pretty poorly defended. But Voyager gets in there; they're mixing it up with these other ships. And the ship from before, captain by Garen, comes in and saves the day at the last minute. So, uh, so now we got three ships in an alliance. Now, everyone knows that any great alliance should have a a great name. Mm. So what my theory presupposes is that the hierarchy, the Kraylor, the Nigeans, and the Federation create something that we could call the Hieragination <coughs> Alliance. <laughs> That's just a working title. Yeah, I think you can get an over-the-counter cream for uh, Hieragination. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't need a prescription for that one. 
Yeah, uh, but consult your pharmacist. This is a great start, and it kind of suggests that like their ability to grow the alliance is way more possible. Like all it takes is this is like multi-level marketing shit, right? Like you get those first couple downstream, you're cruising, yeah. baby. They start to make passive income from mm-hmm. the stuff that the downstream people are doing. Yeah. They really start to see the potential of this. I've got to get that platinum. Get that low metal argument. I've got to get that platinum. Are you planning a heist? Gold. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Commander Posal is uh, is the next recruit, and he's given a proper meal, and he's made happy. So, yeah, like the potential for that guy. He's kind of kind of looks like a uh, a birdman in the face. I thought he looked like a birdman too. Yeah, a bird person, I should say. Hmm. Fair. <laughs> the tech that they've traded for with the other members of the alliance is also really impressive. Like, mm-hmm. it's massively improved the efficiency of their replicators. kind of seems like Neelix is permanently not going to need to worry about cooking after this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's great news. It's weird that a morale officer would be so focused on increasing the morale of the ship, but that's only possible from them taking a great big step back from <laughs> one of their biggest jobs on board, right? Yeah. He's got to be tortured by this. I mean, just lowering the overall amount of Leola root that's being inflicted on everybody might be the biggest win of Neelix's career. Yeah. Dr. Mark is walking toward the lunchroom as all of this is being pitched at uh, at the bird person, Captain Bosal. And uh, Tuvok runs into him, and and he and he and Phantom are doing like speak and spell with each other at this point. They're kind of like they both got little like melodicas, and they're like playing back and forth at each other. This really does sound like two droids in Star Wars talking to each other, right? It does. When Tuvok compliments this as like an ingenious method of communication, I thought it was real fucked up that Mark was like, yeah, I mean, pretty clever if I do say so myself. Seven came up with that, Mark. You got to give her credit. Come on. Yeah, not going to happen. Sucks that even in a post-scarcity idealized future, women can't get credit for their good ideas at work. Yeah. Because it's written in a modern time. Yeah. They're on their way to the mess hall where uh, where Commander Pasal, where Mark's on the parasite, hanging out with Dr. Mark. And ooh, that's, that is a slur. Yeah. Not a comfortable moment. And Janeway's like, well, if you don't like them that much, like we could beam the ones that are on your ship off. And he kind of talks about them like they're just kind of a problem of life here mm-hmm. in the void. Like everybody's got a few of these scurrying around. If my sensors could detect where they are on my ship, I'd exterminate them. We also have a being on our ship playing terrible music all the time and sometimes <laughs> singing. We just have to deal with it. So that's another vote in the column of like, yeah, like maybe I will join your, your thing for Captain Bosal. And uh, we cut down to engineering where Janeway is giving him a tour of this gadget that they're working on. And this is a some kind of device that will help them make a huge shield that can be that can contain all of the ships in the Alliance so that when they make their run at escaping the void, they can make it together. And uh, this thing is like not quite working. <laughs> And that's kind of an embarrassing moment for Jane, right? Right? Like that you never want the highlight of the tour to break down as you're walking the guests through the room. 
Yeah, it's not a great look. An even worse look is happening in the ass lab where a couple of hierarchy toadies are like spying on on this conversation in engineering. And when Tuvok finds them, instead of acting guilty, these guys are like, no, this is a... This is something for all of us to use, right? This is helping the alliance because yeah. now we can spy on everybody. And this is the share. That's just what these guys do, you know? Like they're beavers. They're going to make a dam wherever they are. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> Whether or not it's true, uh, I love that they took it in this direction once they were caught. Yeah. So uh, a bunch of these phantomes are now in Six Bay, and they are all playing their instruments with each other, having a great conversation. This is like a kindergarten music class. I did not like the sound of it, but Janeway <laughs> loved it. Yeah, Janeway thinks it's great. Lovely piece. She comes in, and like they're explaining, like, oh, yeah, so these guys, we beamed them over from Bosal's ship, and they... Uh, like learned it really quickly. Phantom A taught the rest of them way faster than we were able to teach Phantom A and now they're off to the races. Like they can probably do this telepathically, but they really like doing, you know, doing it out loud and uh it started this language of tones is starting to have its own grammar and everything. And I wanted somebody to be like when is the universal translator going to start interpreting it? I wanted Janeway to be like is there a way they could play that through headphones or something instead of just out in public? It seems very inconsiderate. Just when you think nothing in the galaxy can surprise you anymore. Janeway's back down to engineering now, and Bird Person has shown up with the exact part that they need. And She's like, where'd you get it? And it's like, oh, yeah. She's like, why is there blood and hair on it? <laughs> Commander Posal, like, takes a, a shirt sleeve and like, nope, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, you should have seen their cake and face. Anyways. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. Janeway realizes that uh, he did something bad to get this. He killed a lot of people. And she, she's like, well, that's not the kind of alliance we wanted to have, bird person. We wanted to have the good kind where everybody's happy to be there and we don't murder people for their stuff. She walk of shames him out of engineering and out of this scene and out of this alliance. Yeah. She does this in front of everyone and he has to leave. And uh, he takes... Those bloody, hairy parts with him. I love how the next scene is like after a commercial, like the camera fades back up and you see that there are way fewer ships in the Alliance just from the shot of the ship in space. Yeah. And uh, we have another walk and talk. The Alliance does not go well, Chakotay. This is starting to be really discouraging. And... Janeway's feeling bad because she kind of was so excited about getting Commander Bosal into the alliance that she was willing to look past the horrible slurs that he slung at Phantom A. And, uh, you know, she should have realized then and there that he wasn't really alliance material. I mean, she thought that they could make good things together. And, like, the alliance and the making of those things would be worth it, even though he was a total drag to be around. Yeah. And I mean, 
I think she admits to Chicote here that she thought about terminating their partnership a long time before this. And uh, most people just thought it was the theft and the murder of the modulator parts that was the right. reason when it was actually a whole lot of shitty stuff up to that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you should have seen the texts that he sent her, yeah. you know? Like, some of the cruelest stuff. Like, you would never work with... So nobody would work with somebody that sends a text like that. Nobody. Nope. There's an interesting tension, though, that I think... I don't know if Janeway brings it up or Chakotay does, but, like, it's one thing to act with a sense of code or virtuousness, like, to, you know, to create an alliance that you can be proud of. Mm -hmm. But, like... I think the loud self-righteousness of it was kind of a turnoff for people in the Allies. It's so bubbly and cloying and happy. Just like the Federation. Like, I don't think it was just one or the other. Like, I think it was both things that kind of made it easier for people to leave. Don't you think? Yeah, the idea that Janeway's sort of become a scold has definitely turned yeah. some of the other allies off and in the ass lab we find out that commander bosal has just gone right over to valen and signed up uh with the i guess the axis i don't know what is, <laughs> what's the other team called i in my head i i thought anti-alliance but that's actually mm. just not an alliance so <laughs> i don't know what that is <laughs> Anti-alliance is just being real lonely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, though. Like, Janeway can have good ideas, and the Alliance was one of them, worth copying. Yeah. So they get to work, and uh, there's a big, like, engineering montage, and, you know, this includes what seems to be some kind of, like, tactics meetings, including one with uh, Phantom Man, his little buddies, talking to Chicote and Mark about something that they might be doing uh, because it's been pitched like, you guys can come with us when we escape. And they're like, they play a little melody to the effect of, nah, we're good. We like the void. We're going to stay here. We learned earlier that that's where they're from. Yeah. It's their Herm. Do they have a planet? So little is answered about this. Like, it seems like they have to be on ships. This is going to sound really insulting to mm. this type of alien. But it kind of seems like Posal wasn't completely wrong with the use of the parasite word. I would use something more gentle. Like, these people, like, they're like the uh, the feeder fish. Mm. You know? Oh, yeah. They, they're just a part of, of life inside the space donut. Maybe there is no <laughs> home there. There is no home inside the donut at all. I like that take. I mean... Right? They're just breaking down. They're, they're like the bacteria that break down a corpse. Like, Bosal is dead already. He just doesn't know it. Yeah. And these guys are here to move that along. Bosal's like a foot in a tub of water with fish in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> after this montage, we get... You know, like, it's very quick. Like, there's a red alert. Like, the Alliance is heading toward a forming funnel. Uh, Dr. Mark says goodbye to Phantom A and the gang in the transporter room. 
the vermin get beamed away and Valen and Bosal are like attacking the Alliance, but they lose engine power and the Alliance busts out into normal space. And, uh, like the only real tension in this comes from the fact that they tried it before and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I guess it'll work this time. That's good. Great success. Yeah. There are happy goodbyes exchanged in the transporter room and, uh, off they go. Yeah. They're separate ways. You like this episode, Ben? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. I did. Like, I th- I, I think that um, we've talked about some of the ways it's got some shortcomings over the course of this episode. But overall, I really enjoyed watching it. Like, I personally really liked Janeway standing on principle in these moments and, and like finding comfort in the Federation charter in like a situation where that feeling of despair could very easily overtake her. And like, you know, she could be forgiven for throwing her hands up and saying, fuck it, let's just mug a bunch of people and steal their shit. And I like the way, like, I kind of feel like this is the kind of episode I thought would be the main kind of episode in Voyager when it first started, when back when I was a kid. Like, it will just constantly be like a ton of new aliens that, you know, we've never met before. And they're like trading technologies and things completely change. And, you know, they get out by the skin of their teeth. Like, it really does feel like the entire series within contained within one episode and like the choice that Janeway makes is the exact same choice that she made with the caretaker. It is like, we got to do the right thing, Mm, not mm -hmm. the thing that helps us most expeditiously in this moment. And that's a tough sell for some of the aliens. It's a tough sell for some of her crew, but it, uh, it bears out over the long term. And so, um, I think because I like Voyager as a series, I like this episode. Yeah, I do appreciate that Janeway is always true to herself and her values, in this episode at least. Yeah. I think where I start to get some friction with it are all of those moments where she's giving away the store. And it's really easy to claim that, you know, you'd rather die then go against the uh, the charter or whatever. But, I mean, you only get a redemption arc if you live. The idea that, that it's worth dying for, I'm not sure I believe that. And I'm not sure a lot of people on the crew would either. Like, we only get three senior staff people, you know, close to the captain here during this decision-making. But I, I gotta believe, like, Ship-wide, this can't be popular. People want to get home, and they always have wanted to get home. And it's not just that Janeway chooses the most peaceful way of doing things. It's the giving away of their resources that kind of doubles down on it in a way that it made it just a little too easy that there was no pushback. There should have been another angle of conflict here mm. on this plan and that and that it was so easy for her to 
get everyone on her level in order to do this. It just felt too fast and easy to be satisfying, I think is my take. It's not like I think Janeway's naive or stupid for her choice. It's that a choice this difficult couldn't possibly just be rammed through the way it was. I think that's where I'm at with it. That's fair. little troubled by that. (laughs) And like, there's a version of the story that's like Captain Ransom, where like she goes full dark, but we've seen what that does. Like, I think part of it is like the, uh, the sequence of episodes. Like, we still remember that guy. We still remember their conflict. Yeah. At least I do. Mm-hmm. RSVP Captain Ransom. Yeah. Well, do you want to see if uh, we got anything in the Priority One inbox, Adam? Oh, that's one void that is... Usually pretty full. <laughs> kind of makes it almost not a void, you know. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. That message goes like this. Are you struggling to find time? to watch all the great prestige television out these days. So are we. Listen in till last time on as our hosts Ben, Jaffer, and Victor, a.k.a. Dominion Media Television, also don't have the time, so they watch a pilot, roll some dice, and skip that many episodes trying to figure out what the hell happened in between. (laughs) We're currently watching Stargate SG-1, part of the What Happened Here podcast family, including Who Are You? Babylon 5 Watchcast. Hey, that was a show I was a guest on a little while ago. Oh, no kidding. I know these parties. I am going to be a guest on that show later today. Hmm. On Who Are You? Not uh, not last time on, but... Um, How about that as a coincidence? Yeah. That's a funny one. Well, uh... But this isn't... You're not the Ben that Jaffer is referring to, right? Maybe. You don't host this other show. I... <laughs> You're going to have to listen to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Tell them how to listen to it, Adam. Uh, You can check out Last Time On wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Our next Priority One message is of a personal nature. It's from Jess, comma, your wife, and it's to Frank, comma, my husband. It goes like this. This message of hope and love is from the past. We've been methodically viewing five greatest gen apps a week for one Earth year. That seems like a lot. Though we now traverse the space b-hole of DS9, it will take years more to catch up to Ben and Adam. I pray that one day we hear this in a time when Raz and Plavim have reached an accord. There's no one I'd rather rip through this galaxy with than you. Watch him rip through five greatest gen apps a week. It's a lot of greatest gen apps. I don't know if this is uh, the Jess and Frank that we know, but if it is, hi. And if not, hi, other Jess and Frank. <laughs> Pretty amazing. I couldn't keep up with that rate. Yeah. That's a lot. That's more podcasts than I have capacity to listen to <laughs> at this point in my life. Ben, our final priority one message is from Defested, and it's to Ben, Adam, Wendy, Les, Rizzo, and all San Francisco Sketchfest FODs everywhere. All right. Their message goes like this. A wonderful end to an excellent tour. Y'all made a truly excellent. Cheers to the best fan base in all four quadrants. (laughs) 
Aww. Great to see and hang out with Defested out there. Yeah. At Sketchfest and so many other FODs. Defested definitely got the gold star of uh, came to the most live shows of any FOD in uh, 2023 and uh, even came to one in 2024. So, what a run! What a run! Um, yeah, thanks to everybody that came out to our uh, our Sketchfest show. It was a good one. Thanks to everyone who supports the show with a priority one message. You can do the same over at maximumfun.org/jumbotron. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. Ooh, man. I think I might give it to uh, Ensign Hospitality just for being a guy. There, there were a couple of people in this episode that I was like, did this person win a contest? Like, the camera cut over to the lady working the transporter in a way that felt very unusual for Voyager in this episode. And I was like, who's she? Uh, there's, there's just a couple of people like that. Like, there are extras in the background that you see all through this series. And you're like, no, that, that's a familiar extra. He was, he was on set with these guys the whole way through and never got a line. And then there are others where you're like, where did this person come from? <laughs> what, what is to explain them? Like this Ensign in the lunchroom with Neelix, like it seems like this character must have been in the script, you know, because it's so specific. This guy is John Bruegel. Yeah. It, like it's it seems so specific that he is there, <laughs> but why is he there? What is he doing? And so much of him is obscured, like he's in the background. Yeah, and like dinner covers him up. <laughs> he received no credit for this appearance. Oh man! But describes this chance as a lifelong dream. He's he was a professional background actor. Amazing about that <laughs> he has a long dead web page at starfleetofficer.com <laughs> which was about his experience doing this that one time wow and uh it's probably cached in the internet wayback machine if you want to read more about it oh man wild huh sad to let a domain like that lapse yeah you don't just let a domain like that lapse <laughs> according to john bruegel Amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's as good of a Shimoda as any. I think I'm going to make it mine, too. Okay. It seems like this is an experience that really had an, a profound effect on him. And I like the idea that, you know, you could be an actor and be a background actor and all sorts of things, and maybe most of those experiences don't mean anything at all to you. But I like the idea that this guy was in the background of all kinds of things and then finally got like the dream background job and he's got an episode of voyager to show for it that's pretty cool so yeah john bruegel he's my drunk shimoda i'm into it yeah ben i'm gonna go over to the game of buttholes the will of the caretaker to figure out how we're going to watch the next episode while you tell us what that next episode's gonna be like it's season seven, episode 16, Workforce, part one. Janeway, Tuvok, Seven, Tom, and Bolana are workers on an alien planet where they have no memory of their past lives aboard Voyager. Hmm. Man, imagine being pregnant and having no memory of your past life. I mean, is it good and satisfying work in a place that appreciates you? 
This sounds okay. Yeah, let's see if this alien planet has has a good like parental leave policy, you know? Yeah, this could be an improvement. Who knows? That's what I'm holding out for. <laughs> ben over at the Game of Buttholes, we're on the doorstep of a His Eyes Uncovered episode. That's the uh, Temerian language episode. Oh, yeah. That Friends of DeSoto have grown to love. A few squares beyond that, a banger which would move us five squares back. That's all. That's all we got ahead. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Let's see if I can thread this needle. Ben, I've rolled a two. That means we're on square 22. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. It's a regular old episode for us. Oh, yeah. Free from the Temerian language. Free from the Temerian slurs that I know you and I would come up with. That's really reassuring. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure reassuring for all of the people that hate that format of episode and tell us about it every time we do one. Give us, uh, give us a nice review. Why, why don't you? You know, if you enjoyed this as much as we enjoyed making it, leave a leave a five star review in Apple Podcast. Help us rise in the rankings. A, a legacy show like ours now yeah. kind of is has a has a hard time finding a new listener or two, and uh, we could sure use them. Yeah, if you're consuming five episodes a week, I think a review at this point is probably. Yeah, I, I would say don't wait. I think you, I think you're ready to write that review. Yeah, Je- Jess and Frank uh, can, in good conscience, assess this show. Yeah, uh, if you're anything like them, or even listening to one a week and enjoy listening to it, uh, give us a, you know, it just it takes five seconds. Go in there, tap the fifth star, over and uh, and write what you like down about the show. Not a big lift. We really appreciate it. It seems like it wouldn't make a difference, but it really does. Yeah. Uh, Max Fun Drive's coming up. If you're uh, interested in becoming a supporter or upgrading your membership, some real exciting announcements uh, coming up about that. Get ready. I'm excited. The show is produced by uh, our excellent producer, Wendy Pretty. Social medias are managed by Bill Tilly, the card daddy. You mm-hmm. can hang out with our enormous audience of FODs in so many places. The Discord being one of the favorites, drunkshimoda.com is where you can find an audience that I think over in the Discord had a recent milestone, Ben. 3,000 members of the Discord. Can you believe it? That is a lot of members. Yeah. Yeah, pretty wild. I mean, Klingons just have the two. Hashtag greatest gen is how you can find FODs on every other social media network that there is. Go make a friend. Yeah. Go make 3,000 friends. I dare you. Got to thank uh, Nick Dittmore, who made the show art, and great Adam Ragusea, who made the Janeway song. Our theme music, probably toiling right now on theme music for what this becomes when, we're, when we run out of Janeway to talk about. Which... Isn't that far away? Yeah. Look at us. Get excited. Well, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager, an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager, where uh, we do need to talk about the family leave policy at Uxbridge Shimoda because a month off wasn't enough for me, and Mm. uh, I'd like more time now. Yeah, I, I just had guests over. 
so I, I also could have used more time for that. Yeah, yeah. Give Adam a break. <laughs> Fucking bosses at this company. Bunch of assholes. Make it so. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.